be seated this morning. We are welcoming Maurice Ball and his family. Uh, they are here. He was born in Indiana, but uh, has been in Birmingham for the last three years and has come back as a uh, church planner. And uh, we welcome you here this morning and are listening uh, for what God has to say to us. Awesome. 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 Well, good morning, everybody. When your Bible falls apart like that, you know, it's, it's kind of time for you to get a new one. I'd stick that anywhere. Well, um, it's always an honor to be able to stand before God's people and share God's word. Growing up the way I grew up, it this was not an option for me. This was, this, was, this was the least, very last, on a very long list of occupations that I, that I could have done. And um, it's funny how God takes that very last point on the very last bottom on the back of the book that's under all that other stuff and then makes that the top. And so it's always an honor. Um, I, I thank y'all for allowing me to come. and. Um, I pray that this that this house is blessed and that it continues Always to be an honor. Um, I, I thank y'all for allowing me to come, and um, I pray that this, oh, that this house is blessed and that it continues <laughs> Always to be an honor. Um, I, I thank y'all for allowing me to come, and um, I pray that this, I know, that right? this house <laughs> is blessed and that it. <laughs> Woo! I, hey, happy. Uh, hey, I'll get ready. To I'm ready to repent. Guys, what? Uh, Take me. <laughs> Ooh, got my heart racing. Okay, so it's always an honor, but I, I just pray that this house continually be, it continues to be an impact in this community and be the point of difference in this community and continually go forth and bring change within this community. Um, you, you, you think about if y'all are not here, then the people that depend on this ministry, they have nowhere to go and they have nothing to depend on. So um, I pray that y'all stay a staple in this community, a pillar in this community, and that God continually increase y'all in wisdom, favor, and stature and, and continue to bless y'all. And so with that being said, as I was saying, growing up, this was not, not my, my, my thing, and I'm not going to go into the whole story, but I'm a... I'm going to kind of, I have one point, it's going to be quick, and then we can go home and get something to eat or something. But, um, so growing up, this was not what I, have, I was called, I felt that I was called to do. So I didn't really pursue this in any kind of way at all. So when God started to do what he was doing, he was doing it during a time that I was not recognizing what he was doing. So if God, is try, if God is trying to get a hold of you, but you don't understand what he's doing, you can take that as being personal. Why is all this stuff happening to me? So life happened to me extremely fast. Uh, I was 19. Next thing you know, um, I was in San Diego. I get a phone call. Hey, your dad died. And I had just talked to him. 
Okay, that was the, that, that's kind of the first piece of to get my attention. Then my mom slipped into a coma. Then I lost my job. Then I, then, and, then, and the worst thing of all of that was then my radio went out in my car, and I just felt like, man, this is the end. And I was, at the, I was really at a crucial point in my life. I was really at a point of, of saying, and, and, and it could just be me. I know that none of y'all qu- ever question God, but I question God. Actually, I question a God I didn't even know existed. So I'm like, why is this, how is all this happening? Why is this happening to me? And I was at a, I was at a point where it was too much pressure, and I felt that the only way out was suicide. That was, that was my only that was my only way out because everything started to drop. The bottom started to drop out of it, and everything started to, to consume me, and I was, I was pressured, and I'm like, I don't know what to do. So, of course, I didn't do it, but I did contemplate it, and I went through all the process of elimination. I went down the, the list of what I believed I said, okay, can't be none of these because I don't do none of this. So I just came to a conclusion and said, God, I just need you to cut my air off. If you're real, just turn my air off because all these other options don't work in, in how I process information. And so um, God didn't do that. I end up being, I end up getting a call from a friend who invited me to church and it just started things from there. God was trying to get my attention. But I, I felt like there was no options for me. Any of you ever felt like life has hit you so many different ways? You lose loved ones, you lose things, things that you dep- you're hoping to happen doesn't happen, uh, the, it, and, it, and life starts to consume you. Anybody else ever just been in that point where you're saying, God, I, want to, I don't want this life anymore. I want another life. I want somebody, I, oh, that person's life, and I, and I don't... And that's just, just me. That person's life looks better. Their situation looks better. Their marriage looks better. Their, their family situation looks better. Their, all that. And I'm saying, ooh, I want, their, I want that life. Oh, God, take this life and give me, some, give me that because it has the appearance of looking better. But that's just the thing. It's the appearance of looking better. So some of y'all might even be there now, like looking around you and seeing things not happening for yourself, but happening for people that you know don't even love God. Now, that's the, that's the challenge. When you're looking at, you see people that, that's prospering, don't even love God, and you're saying, wow, God, they don't even go to church. They don't even love you. How are they prospering? How are they growing? How are you blessing them? And I'm sitting up here, I'm coming to church, I'm tithing, I'm reading, and I'm praying, and I'm doing all this other stuff, and they heathens. Just me. I say, I look, and I'm like, come on, God, can I, I, I want something different. I want another, I want another life. I, I, and, I, and I actually prayed that, especially growing up how I grew up, I seen people that lived in different houses and different situations, and I thought that that's what I wanted but really didn't know what was going on behind the scenes and all that. So got to be careful of what you pray for. Now, you're not alone in this. 
And I want y'all to say this because I got one point and one point only, but I, I got to get y'all to say this. I am stuck with my cup. 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 If you don't get anything else today, remember, I am stuck with my cup. So you're not alone in that, and we're going to take a look at we're going to take a look at how Jesus had a situation to where he was saying, God, I, I need you to show up and do something different about what's about to happen. So my text today is coming out of Mark 14, and then I'm going to go from verse 32 to 43, and then we're going to break that down, and we're going to talk about that. Father, all of you are none of me. And let this word penetrate the hearts and the minds so that we can walk out different, changed, and ready to move forward in what you called us to do. Amen. Okay, so I got this stuff for a reason. Okay, so Mark, Mark 30, I mean Mark 14, verse 32, 32, and this is just, I'm going to give you a quick backstory. Jesus has already been betrayed by Judas, and now he's going off to pray. And this is where we're going. Not, he's been, he, Judas already said, hey, I'm going to show you where he is, and I'm going to turn him in to y'all. So this is where we're going to pick up. In verse 32 in Mark, then they came to a place which was named Gethsemane, and he said to the disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter, James, and John. And he took with him Peter, James, and John, and he began to be troubled deeply and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Stay here and watch. He went a little further and fell on the ground and prayed that if we, and he prayed if there were possible out, oh, hold on, I'm sorry. And he went a little further, and he fell on the ground, and he prayed that if we, if were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Then he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter in temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the, but the flesh is weak. And again, he went away and prayed and spoke the same words. And when he returned, he found them sleep again. For their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And then he came a third time, and he said, are you still sleeping, resting, and resting? Is it not enough that the hour has come? Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And immediately, while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve disciples, with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came from the chief priest and the scribes and the elders. And then I 
kind of throw this in. This is verse 18. I mean, this is John 18, 4. And it says, And Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that will come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? Father, add a blessing to your word. Okay. So, let's put this in context. This is Jesus. He is sitting here, and he is looking at, we're going to go from, we're going to go verse by verse. And so in verse 33 and 34, he's, he's standing face to face with his purpose. He is looking, he's looking his purpose face to face, and he is standing there. And he is, now it's starting to trouble him. I don't know how many times Jesus went off and prayed and said, God, take this cup away from me. But I do know that the only time it's recorded is in this period right here. There could have been several other times that he went off and prayed and said, take this cup. But he said, take this cup away from me. He went and prayed and said, take this cup. Take this cup. That's Jesus. He said, said, Father, all things are possible to you. Everything, you can do anything you want to. But now I'm asking you to take this cup. He didn't. So he goes off and he comes back over here. And he sees people that, that were called to walk with him but not carry his cup. They're asleep. Why? Because they have their own cup that they have to carry and that they have to bear. So he comes back and he gets angry at them. And then he goes back and he prays again the same thing that he said. He says in, in verse, and he, can't, he, can't, can't, he went a little further and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. He said, God, take, I know what I'm supposed to do. I know why I'm here, but take this cup away from me. God, in his sovereignty, had a response that that I'm going to get to later, but I believe how he responded. And then he comes back. And then they're still asleep. They were so confused. They didn't know what to even respond to. And they didn't know how to respond. How do you respond to somebody who God God has assigned to go through something and it's their time to go through it. How do you respond to that if it's not you? How do you, how do you, how do you take that? Even if it's you on the other side and you're going to somebody, how do you expect them to respond? It's not their, it's not their time. It's your time. It was Jesus's time. There was nothing that the disciples could do could, that was going to change what was going to happen. There was nothing that Peter, James, and John praying could have done to have changed the the events that went on after that. Okay, so now we get down to um, we get down to to verse 41 and 42 and he said and then they came, then he came a third time. So you're not alone in your in your saying God Take this cup away from me. I, I don't care what the situation is. Jesus sitting here and he's saying, he went three times and asked the father to take this cup away from him. Three times. And he did not do it. He did not do it. He said, he, 
he's sovereign, but he knew that the chain of events that had to happen had to happen. He knew that. He knew that he was supposed to come and die for the sins of the world. Now, he gets down here in verse 42. He says, right, let us, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And then I try to tie that into verse 18, and he's saying, okay, who are you looking for? In verse 18, he steps up and he says, therefore, Jesus, knowing all things that will come upon him, went forward and said to them, whom are you seeking? At that point, he embraced what he was supposed to be doing. He embraced his purpose. He embraced the things that was, that was going to be, that, the things that were supposed to happen after, at that point. Now, when we go through, through that, he went one time, it didn't happen. He went two times, it didn't happen. He went three times, it didn't happen. He finally said, okay, God, okay, Father, I know you're not going to take this cup. I know that this is what I've, assigned, I've been assigned to do. I know I've been, I've been here to, and this is a conversation that I'm having in my head that I think how he was just playing this out. And I'm, and I'm looking at and, and and he, he became human because that was the human side of Jesus, right? I mean, he was 100% God and he was 100% man. But it was the human side of Jesus that said, take this cup. The human side of Jesus was saying, I just don't want to die right now. I don't, I don't want to go through this, God. I don't want to go through this, Father. You can change this. You, can, you have the power to change it. Take it. If you read this in context, and I pray that y'all, y'all, that y'all read it in context, if you read it in context in verse, um, you go into Matthew 26, um, I think it's 36, uh, Matthew 26, and then it's in Luke 22, and then it's in John 18. You'll get the full context that when he went and prayed, see, in Luke it says he went and he prayed till he starts sweating blood. I have never been in a situation that was pressing me so much that I started to sweat blood. I mean, the reality of him or what was about to happen was real. The reality was real. He was sweating blood. But if you read this in context, I took bits and pieces. It says, as he was praying, the angel came and strengthened him. For what? For what he was about to experience. But he still said, God, take this cup. I've prayed that. But I also prayed, nevertheless, your will be done. Side note, if you ever prayed that in your whole entire life with God, your, Lord, your will be done, then know whatever you went through is part of his will. Whatever he, you went through is part of his will. And I prayed that several times until I got to understand and said, eh, might not want to pray that. Um, so what happens after that? He knows what was to follow. He knew what was to happen. He knew what was going to happen. It says, and Jesus knowing, and Jesus knowing all things. What does all mean? All. He knew what was about to happen to him. He knew that 
he was about to be falsely accused. He knew it. He knew he was about to be betrayed again because Judas already betrayed him. And now this church, this religious system is betraying him. And then one of his closest disciples betrayed him. He knew it. Then he was beaten and mocked. And then he was tortured until his death. He already knew all that was going to happen, and he still said, God, I'm in it. How many of us has tapped out over the course of over a lifetime when something like this came that we didn't even finish, get to the end of it? Or we quit, or we walked out, or we set something down. He was... He had an assignment. That's why God does not give us our assignment on the front end. Can you sit there and imagine if God gave you everything that you was going to experience in your life on the front end? How many of y'all would be in this church? How many of y'all be Christians right now? Probably zero. Why? Because just take a look at your life and everything that, that happened to it. Everything that happened to it. You, I can do my life. Okay. I, my, my dad was murdered. My mom died of a massive heart attack. I was homeless, all the other craziness that I brought on myself just through foolish acts of being young and being unconnected to God and just all this stuff. And if he would have said, okay, Maurice, you know, um, you're going you're gonna to lose your dad and it's going to be violent, okay? And then your mom's going to have a massive heart attack. Before she goes and have a heart attack, she's going to slip into a coma. And then she's going to have a massive heart attack, Okay. You're going you're gonna to lose some friends. People are going to talk about you and all this other stuff. And I'm sitting there saying, oh, yeah, that's all good. Yeah. Now, there were some good things that happened in there, too. But think about it. Think about your life. Would you have signed up for it? See, this is the easy part of church. Sitting in that chair is the easy part of what we do. It doesn't take no effort to come and sit in that chair other than you got to decide if you're going to get up in the morning. That's it. It doesn't, it doesn't require anything to come here and sit. The requirement is when you walk back out those doors and you face your life. See, some, some of us are facing some real life situations right now that God is saying, look, I need you to, to, to just raise up under this because you could be the only Jesus that people are seeing in your circle. You. You. And what kind of representation are you giving him? Again, this whole message is called, I'm stuck with my cup. The good, the bad, and the ugly. So, here's my cup. I've been, this is my cup. This is the cup that God has called me to bear. I look in that cup, everything that is good, bad, ugly, indifferent is in this cup. But, I see this cup over here. This cup is, we do this, we do that. Okay. So I'm over here with this cup. Life is pressing me. Life is happening. Things are just dropping out the bottom. It's, it's happening so much that I can't even recognize the good that God is doing because so much chaos and so much stuff is going on. So I hold this cup. Then I see that cup over there. And I'm saying, ooh. That's a nice looking cup. Let me see if I can get that cup. 
Okay, now I come and pick this cup up. Now I'm more frustrated because I wasn't graced to carry this cup. I was graced to carry this cup. This is the cup that he graced me to carry everything in it. But what some of us like to do is, I want the good stuff, okay? I want the good part of the cup. I want all the good stuff. Now, this is no, no longer functional. If I take the middle part out, right, I can't use this for anything. So I, I remember telling God, God, I just want the husband part and the dad part of, many, uh, of this thing. I don't want any of this other stuff that comes along with it. He said, you incomplete, son. You, this is not even functional as a cup anymore. There's nothing that can... I can't piece my cup. You can't piece your cup. Your cup is your cup. Your life stories are your life stories. There's not the, I'm going to take this piece, God, and I don't want this piece, God, and I want this over here, God, and, but not this right here, God. No, it's all one cup that he's graced me to carry. I'm graced to carry this. I can't carry anybody else's cup. I can't get frustrated if I bring you along with me and then you're over here asleep. It's not your time. It's my time. I can't look back at you and say, oh, you're not praying? You're not doing... No, there was nothing that the disciples could have done to help Jesus. It was his cup. It was his time. There was nothing that they could do. Each and every one of those disciples had a cup that they had to bear, and their time came. They couldn't switch the cup. It is what it is. It is your cup. But because that cup looks more attractive, that cup looks more fun, that cup looked more easier... We want to switch cups. There's a story uh, that I found on the internet, and it's this guy, and he's walking around, and he's carrying, and he's bearing his cross, and he's talking to Jesus, and he said, Jesus, this cross, I, I can't carry this. I, I, can, I, can, I, can I change crosses? And Jesus said, sure, we're we going to walk around, and he sees the room that said crosses, and he said, can, can I go in there? Jesus, go in there. He takes his cross. He puts his cross down. He's walking around, and he's looking. He's like, man, that cross is big and rugged. Oh, that and he sees all these crosses, and then he realizes that he put his, he didn't realize where he put his cross. So he said his cross over there. He walks around, and he comes back around, and he sees that cross, and he says, Jesus, that's the cross that I want. Jesus says, okay, you can have that cross. He grabs that cross, and he says, oh, okay, I can handle this one. He said, you can? He said, yes. Jesus said, you sure that's the cross that you want? You sure? He said, yes. He said, well, that's the cross that you came in here with. See, when you're looking at different situations, we, we don't realize that the stuff that we're going through, you've been, you've been, or you've been equipped to handle it. You've been equipped to go through it. You've been equipped. Only you can do what you do in your circle. It's your cup. There's... There's no grace over here, even though it may look easier. This is where the grace is. Again, you are stuck with your cup. There's nothing you can do to shape God's cup. You can quit and tap out. And then when you stand before him, he'll, he'll say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. But it's your cup to bear. You're stuck with your cup. There's no way out. Good, bad, ugly, or indifferent. It is your cup. It doesn't come in pieces. 
This is useless. Grace is full. He graced you to carry that cup. He graced you to do that. And, and see, so I look at this and I say, okay. I hear Jesus. He goes three times. He asks the Father. Where else did that happen? Paul did the same thing, right? Paul said, I have this flesh. I got this thorn in my flesh, God, and, and remove it. What did God say to him? My grace in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, my grace is sufficient enough. I believe that's what God responded to Jesus. I can't prove that. But he's the same yesterday and today and forever, right? So why would he change his response? My grace is sufficient enough. And then he says, not only that, but my strength is made perfect in your weakness. So he's saying, it's, it's, it's okay because I'm going to be made strong in this. You're going to see my power. You're going to see, you're going to see me in this. And I want to encourage you. In Nehemiah 8 and 10, he says, what? The joy of the Lord is my strength. Romans 8, 28 says, all things work for the good for those who are called according to his purpose and who love them. What does all mean? All. So anything that's with this cup is with this cup that God has a plan for. Jeremiah 29, 11, we all know that scripture. Oh, I know the thoughts of the plans that I have for you, thoughts of prison. We all know that. But do we believe it? He wrote your story. He assigned your cup. Don't you think that he has the plan and the provision in it so that you can bear it? That's why you stuck with it. That's why you can't change it. Because if we could change it, then Jesus probably at that moment would, well, I don't want this. I don't want this cup. It's your cup. You're stuck with it. And nothing you can do about it. Except accept God's grace and his mercy in that cup. This is not an easy walk. We've made Christianity simple. And we, I mean, we made it like fluffy and all that. No, this is not that kind of walk. When you, say you are, when you say you are a follower of Christ, when you exit those doors, we are the hope of the world. We have the hope of the world living inside of us, and we are the hope to the hopeless in situations that don't see him. But if you don't want your cup, how do they come to know the Lord? If you're not standing, if you're, if you're, if you're not, you're standing face to face with your purpose and what God has called you to do, and you turn your back and say, God, now nah, I want that. It sounds crazy. It sounds, I would never turn my back on, on him. Well, how many of y'all are bearing your cups now? You're stuck with your cup. Now, your cup today may be you've never, ever in your entire life said, Jesus, I confess you as my Lord and Savior. That could be, that is, that is the part of your cup. But today it might be pressing on your heart. Today might be the day that you answer that call so that you can get everything that comes along with this cup. 
Today could be the day. If you're standing before God, and I, I got to ask myself this all the time. If, you're, if I'm standing before God and he says, son, why should I let you into my heaven? And if I start running off accolades and I helped the, the old lady bag groceries and I went over here and did this and I did that, he's going to say, depart from me, you work of iniquity. The only way to the Father is through the Son. I have to open my mouth, confess with my mouth, believe in my heart that he died and rose for me on the scene. See, when I look at this story, everything that Jesus had to go through, I make it personal. I don't know what y'all do. I make it personal that he looked and said, for Maurice, he's not going to make it. So I'm willing to die. I'm willing to be ridiculed. I'm willing to go through everything that I got to go to so that he can have a way to you. That's how I look at it. Because I couldn't pay for my sins myself. The wages of sin is death. And then nobody's able to do that for you. Nobody that stands up here will do that for you, can do that for you, or would have done that for you. Only Jesus. And if you have not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I am here to, so that we can pray that you can receive him as your Lord and Savior. And that's the beginning. That's when everything starts. So, because I can't assume that because we're in church that everybody's saved. That would be wrong of me. Okay. Well, Father, you are good, and your mercy endures forever. And we love you, God. We know that you assigned us a cup, and if we've walked away or turned away or laid our cup down, we, re we repent, God, and we ask that you... Give us a renewed strength and a renewed energy to bear the things that you have placed before us so that we can become the people that you've ordained us to be. Father, we, we no longer want anybody else's cup. We embrace the cup that you've given us. We embrace the, the trials and the tribulations. We embrace the, the, the good things that you've placed in that cup, Father. Now, Father, we pray that you let our light so shine so that men can be drawn unto you. Give us strength. Give us wisdom. Give us the boldness that we need to reflect your character, your nature, and your love. Father, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.